Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. It's Brick. What up, Red Pill? Blue Pill. Tell it. Know the Ledge Radio. Tuesdays and Fridays, let's go. I present you red and blue pill and prescribe you to take them both. They fed me these microphones, I'm the virus, I need a host. Know the legend, don't cross it, cause you might overdose. Release those yeah. toxins from your conscience. Play the beat through stethoscopes for my folks. The originators, atmospheric pressure raising. Thoughts be constantly in orbit, till my page is out of space. Cosmos, astrological, a star right in your face. Didn't plan it like Pluto, melanated the greatest race. From niggas to gods and clearly just a human display. Walking immortal, live forever through these songs I make. Rigatologists, Discover this very deep inside this continent. They have to pass many courses at their local colleges to study what this naga did. Futuristic shit, 2125, and when that time exists, they will realize who the Messiah is. Let's break the foundation with that fire spit. It's telling yoga flames, I'm on my street fighter shit. I swear I wish my ancestors they ain't find this shit. Transatlantic travel maiden voyage from their cargo pick to picking cotton and sugar cane and then refining it. Trying to restore our dominance. Black power in this motherfucker better know it. Give them the truth, they tell me give them more risk. These black laws, yeah, you better know it. I'm less of a rapper, more of a poet. This my open. Maintain focus as we enter through the pillars of realness. Truth revealers. Tuesdays and Fridays live so you can feel it. Oppress pray every day to hear me kill it. More than just an intro. This was how I'm feeling. We just left the scene's time. And we ain't finished building The sky is the limit We just crash through the ceiling So the energy of the crystal speak Spiritually a symphony Charged by the elements for many centuries Libations for our ancestors Keep it spilling beat We evoking the spirits to guard us from our enemies I say, I create, and I display what I made Give it straight to the people Feel the power in waves Black fist in the sky, but this ain't hip-hop array We're putting pressure on these culture vultures Watching decay, it's time to take back With all the monumental display Kings County only royalty around me Come on! Peace, family. Peace, peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Know The Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed, this is your host, Brother Blue Pill, reporting live and direct, soon to be joined by my co-host, Brother Blue will be, I mean, Brother Red will be calling in any second now, all right? And we might actually even have some guests stopping through this evening, so... I want to say thank you to the family for joining us for another episode of KTL. Make sure that you uh, just get yourself comfy, relax yourself. I'm going to another tune real quick while we wait on the brother to show up. This is his latest single with the brother Cambada. Shout out to my brother Cambada, who will be releasing a, uh epic video for his project, Confessions of the Tupac Killer. Now, that should be out either today or tomorrow. All right, so let's get into this next single that they got made for this. Be back short. Anthem on the track. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can we see? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, look. Upon the city where the bums rich. Skyscrapers block the rays when the sun hits. One time coming, niggas run quick. By the time a baby walk, he got a gun grip. I was made for this. 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 I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in. Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this. I was made for 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 this. I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in. Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this. They don't know fact from fiction. They don't know the blacks is missing. They don't know they trapped in prison. They don't know the path to prison was a math decision. They don't know the wrath is quicken. They don't know the ass they kissing on the path for mission to put their ass in prison. They don't know black religion. Fact and fiction, they don't know mama didn't leave them niggas half the kitchen with half a chicken. Fact of fiction, we still hot, we still noble, red and blue pill global. No matter the language, we still moguls. We lost Gil Scotch and we lost Gil Noble. Exercise the right to live like it is. The revolution will not be televised, it's being digitized. On the come up, it's like watching the midget rise. Sleeper giants grow another 20 feet tall with each alliance. I can teach the science. I tear an instrumental down before I lay my pencil down. I'm going down to Tinseltown to burn a temple down and cap it off like this crown. And my rights in reserve. Fear of a black Illuminati. I might just build with the Bilderberg to come and kill you nerds. I'm shining like a Grammy host on the shores of Miami coast. My Moringa plug looking like Sammy Sosa, the old one, when he was well done like Granny's Roast. The ancestors sponsored us. I don't know them niggas, all they do is talk that conscious shit. We living it, we in the streets like House of Consciousness. KTL in the ATL, MIA, NYC. Multi-dimension like MIB. We are not the same, I am a sovereign. We are not the same, I am a problem. I was made for this, I was made for this. I was made for this, I was made for this. I'm not a product of the cages that they raise us in. Bred to be a king, I'm not a slave to this. I was made for this. With no further ado, call us on the three four seven six five zero. Peace to you and yours. Peace. Peace, peace, peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. Welcome to Know the Less Radio. You are now rocking with the best. Yes, this is your co-host for the evening, Brother Red Pill, reporting live and direct. Hashtag made for this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that song might need a blue verse. That's what it might be missing. Ah, ah yeah. That that yeah. I was I was yeah I was contemplating that the other day. I'm 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 listening. I'm like, uh, I need a yeah, verse. It's so it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, the beat is so. We need that beat to continue on. So, do what you do. You know, remixes are the order uh, to take. Uh, you already. <laughs> so we back. We here. We in the building. Yeah, Go to Les Radio on a Tuesday night. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It always family. It, it's 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 an experience that it's very hard to explain, or hard to describe. Um, once again, the reason for the absence though is just work. You know, overload of work, and if we have to come on air and give you half of what we got to offer, we rather not. 
give anything at all until it can be properly retooled and reformatted and presented to you in the best possible way where it can make sense to everyone involved. So, of course, like the brother always says, you can still catch us on YouTube. The commentary is still out there, still fresh, still current. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Black Magic 363, shout out to Brother Rich. He just had a born day the other day. Salute to him for his around the sun. Um, You know, and when somebody is touching that that, that period and point in time, like our brother Raku says, these are the best times for you. You know what I'm saying? This is when you gather the most strength around your solar return. This is when your magic happens, you know, and there's a prescribed time afterwards. There's a prescribed level of difficulty before your birthday comes in. There's a shadow that you got to get through. But once you hit that sunlight and that sun is beaming on your house, you know what I'm saying, that first house, then um, you got a a period of, of, of positivity, of abundance. It's with you. So that brother probably has some major things coming up. You know what I'm saying? I know that he's nominated for one of those Black Power Awards down in Atlanta, November 12th, 2016. The A is going to be on fire, hot land in the winter. Yes, indeed. The pills will be in the building. All right? I'm sure Mama Pill is going to be on the red carpet as well. So Black Power Awards family, make sure that you uh, calendar especially those in the southern region, make sure that you come through. It's going to be a lot of festivities that weekend. Black uh, It's not only just going to be, yeah, it's not only going to be the Black Carpet, Black Power Wars event, but I'm sure it's going to be plenty of things swirling activity-wise around town, around them time. So definitely Shout out to be that down there. Yeah, I know that they got a big weekend this weekend coming up. I think Farrow, Young Farrow and Sarasu and Seti, they're going to be out there in Stone Mountain, right off of Memorial, okay, like the good. Lions Den. All right, for the family that's out there in the A Town and the ATL, make sure to show the young guard some support. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's I'm not sure. Yeah. And we also have to make an announcement about the Detroit date that we were scheduled to be out in the D this weekend. We are not going okay. to be, yeah, we are not going to be attending that lecture. Uh, shout out to my brother, Knowledge Born Allah. Shout out to Keith yes. Horton. Shout out to everybody yes. that's involved, Tahir, RBG. Um, there was a <clears throat> brother Yada, our good brother Yada, um, the promoter of the event, canceled the lecture aspect due to the brother Yada pulling out. So they decided that they are going to cancel that day, and that was the day that we are scheduled, that we were scheduled to appear in Detroit on the 24th. So we won't be there. We're going to have to reschedule it, um, and we'll definitely let the family know when that will be taking place. But the Sunday, the 25th, is still on. That is the performance with Tahir, RBG, and other performers, um, yeah, so everybody that's a part of that, salute. Uh, we did monumental, powerful, powerful promotions and build-ups to that lecture. I think we need to just upload those to our YouTube or, you know, make sure that those... Yeah, those shows um, stupid. Those shows were epic, yeah. So I, I'm I'm going to try to sit down and creatively do something just with the dialogue that was taking place because... It's all about reaching people 
in real time with information that's pertinent to the times that are taking place. And I think that even if we don't make it out there, or even though it did get canceled, the election took place in those radio shows. We got about four of them. Yeah, that was that was plentiful. Yeah. A lot of information. He got like the um, digging in. The book of pills. Yeah, it shit was conclusive. Like, <laughs> and it was. You know what I'm saying? It was it was a reflective period because, like I said on on the program, um, knowledge born a law. The brother asks wonderful questions, and he just has that that atmosphere as a as a journalist, pretty much like Brother Rich, where you feel comfortable. You're talking to somebody that uh, you're comfortable with that you know. So that brother was able to extract a level of dialogue from us that I was comparing to pretty much what I was doing when I was in the presence of my master teachers and I got them on the program like a Dr. Sabi. All of my interviews were if people will go back in the archive and see, these were like biographical accounts. I was asking the questions that I would ask in an interview if I was writing a book. Yes. You know, getting yes. to the root, you know, the the inceptual thought of what, what goes into uh a person greatness. such as this, that, yeah, the greatness, you know what I'm saying, which uh, segues beautifully to why we're here tonight, you know what I'm saying? Hold on. Before we start, I have to give credit to the other radio hosts that were kind enough to have us on the platform when we were on our promo campaign for the RBG Love uh, Fest or the RBG Love Weekend lecture that we were doing. Blackistan Radio, my brother Jay Dizzle, Salute to you. These are all Blog Talk Radio Shows family, so we're encouraging you to go ahead and search these radio shows out on Blog Talk Radio and add that to your collection. Blackistan Radio, Jay Dizzle, My Skin is My Sin, and our good sister, Sister Renee, who I am planning on having mm -hmm. on our show very soon. A rundown with Renee. I did a show on Sunday with Sister Renee and all of her lovely co-hosts and all of the people that showed up. That was very powerful, called The Fear of a Blackamore Messiah. And that was on a rundown with Renee. And we also have a show that we did with her with Knowledge Born Allah, um, Tahir RBG, uh, Brother Red. You were there too, right, Blue? I passed too. Yeah. Okay, yes. So she has a very powerful platform, the rundown with Renee, that feminine, that divine feminine energy, and um, I'm encouraging the family to support her and her, and her, uh, you know, her endeavors. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. All right. So like I said, you know, that's a beautiful segue to why we are actually here tonight. And this tonight is a tribute to the great ones featuring one of the greatest ones of them all. Our mama, your mama, Mama P. Mama Pill, one mama of the most requested. Yeah, <laughs> they be pulling up. They be pulling up on us in Harlem from Idaho, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky. Mom, we Mama Pill, Mama Pill. <laughs> they be looking for Mama and her products. So, you know, this was a program that was long overdue, but 
there's nothing like divine timing. Um, and divine timing is key. You know what I'm saying? I kind of like missed some key dates last week, not being very mindful of divine timing. Some things just snuck around and caught me off guard. Um, and, and like I said, even the commentary on these videos, these YouTube videos, family, if you've been following them or checking them out, you definitely should, you know, you should definitely um, connect with the rest of the population of the um, the world that's checking into those videos. They're very viral, and the content is, is, is decent. You know what I'm saying? We ain't selling no controversy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We ain't selling you no backwash. You feel me? It's, it's just bars. It's bars. Wow. It's perspectives. Um, narrative, 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 narrative. You know what I'm saying? So, and and a lot of those narratives in hindsight, you'd be like, damn, I wish I said this, or I wish I said that, or this connects to that, and I ain't put this with this and that with that. Like when I was doing the Jay Z dialogue, I didn't, I wasn't mindful that a day or two later I would be doing this post on Sabies talking about the 31 year anniversary of the Usha Herbal healing research institute you know which of course was um located in the same spot same location that you can currently find the uh the brooklyn barclay center and specifically jay-z's rockaway store on, right on top of that landmark location that few people know about this is the physical location with all the magic took place that the rest of the world is so enthralled about right now that they're talking about, that they happened about. You know what I'm saying? This is where it all went down. So we have the opportunity, you know what I'm saying, to uh, to bundle our homage for a few things, for a few great ones in one episode, because this is just not talking about Dr. Sabi, but the many people in New York City and Harlem in particular to play the part with making that magic happen in New York City, you know, when the village was really operating with village rules, you feel me? So these episodes are always interesting because you're always able to use a perspective about things that you just experienced in Harlem and Harlem of lore, you know what I'm saying? What worked before and what doesn't seem to be working now. Yes. As opposed to, you know, some things may not have existed during those times when, you know, the grassroots marketing was being handled by Mama Pill as opposed to now when, you know, the marketing is digital, you know what I'm saying? And it's being handled by various networks and, and things of that nature. So the excitement of a new world is always something that's set upon us, but it's important to understand the historical underlings of modern history. You know what I'm saying? What was utilized as of recently to make these epic moments happen, you know? So we are paying homage to a very epic moment, something that is going to be historically cataloged in the annals of time as having been one of the most monumental moments in quote-unquote modern black history, all right? So with all that being said, and Lay, I want to introduce to you a person who was not only an eyewitness to these events that we will be uh, discussing this particular evening, but somebody who was very much a participant as well. And you know, this is the uh, this is this is this is the 
this is the person that uh you know greatness only begins greatness so I, I went to an acting class in LA and they made us get in front of the crowd right the first thing you had to do right right off the hill is they ask you why are you great and you got to stand in front of your classroom in front of all these other actors and actresses and you got to get in your bag ASAP you know what I'm saying and if you get in character, you best to know how to sell that shit. But it's a lot easier if you just really speak from your heart. If you believe that you're great. You know what I'm saying? And the first thing I said was, well, greatness begets greatness. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm great because I came from greatness. So I had no choice. And then I live in a, a country where even if you believe how great you are, they render you invisible. So you got to be twice as great in this place to be recognized for your greatness. So you kind of left with no choice. You understand? But let us return back to the root and honor greatness at its inception point. With no further ado, we present to you the caller from the 424200 Mama Pell. Peace, love, and light. Good evening, uh, Philip. And Paul Moreland, Red Pill, Blue Pill, oh. and the <laughs> and the Ledge audience. And I wanna I wanna say that was that was uh, that was beautifully said, Paul. And I know that uh, all of your um, ancestors on your your father's bloodline and um, and your patriarchal bloodline will be the spirits of your ancestors would be so very proud of you. <clears throat> um, knowing that uh, your greatness is because you came from greatness. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so I want to, I want to say that I know, I knew uh, very early on that I was uh, of greatness uh, <clears throat> because the elders all my guardian adult uh, people in Harlem, where I was born and raised, um, they uh, built my infrastructure in in that way. They 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 their actions and their uh, the way they verbally articulated, you know, just the whole narrative they spoke to me, and the narrative I I witnessed them speaking to one another, their actions towards one another, this demonstrated this, this greatness and this, this wealth that um, I still see uh, that excellence of, of character um, from time to time. However, back in 1956 when I was born and, 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 uh, going forward, more individuals in um, the community of people in color had really, really lived a life where they they articulated uh, excellence of character. <clears throat> so, as a child being raised in that kind of, we'll say, we'll say uh, Harlem, Harlem was very much operating like a village. You, you. I mean, there was no. I mean, you, you were, you were destined to uh, be 
you know, what was planted inside of you, you know, like you, you plant, um, you plant a, a coconut uh, seed and you're going to get a coconut tree. You know what I'm saying? So I, I want to also uh, parallel um, the greatness of one of the elders that we're going to talk about tonight, Alfredo Dorrington Bowman, affectionately known in his uh, later years of his life as Sabi, then as Dr. Sabi, had the same um, experience in, um, in the geographical area of Central America, which uh, we, we, we all know um, is uh, his, his birthplace was Honduras. So uh, Sabi, just like, I think, it's, uh, I think Sabi's birth year was 1933, uh, the month of November and the day of the 26th. So uh, Sabi grew up in an environment, stories he often shared with me and other people, and even stories that when I traveled to Honduras on occasions that I traveled, you know, I would hear his friends talk about their childhood, and I would hear, you know, his relatives, you know, brothers, his um, his mother. So um, it wasn't surprising that Sabi would grow up to be an adult and uh, do some of the magnificent, you know, sort of innovative, unprecedented events and um, uh create narratives that are forever available to us since the uh, inception of the internet and YouTube and Facebook and my, because I think it all started with something called MySpace. Um, uh, Sabi came from greatness. And so it was only, you know, it only made sense that what he did is what, he was destined to do. Um, so in, in saying that, um, I grew up in Harlem. I, I uh, probably about a month, maybe a month and a half before I was informed by uh, Paul um, on August 6th that Sabi had made his, his transition uh, I was in New York City, and I had the opportunity to do an interview with Brother Sanetta, and uh, we we um, I thought the interview was going to be about one thing, and then it was a nice, beautiful summer day in Harlem, and so when he when we met to get ourselves set up to begin this interview, we wound up going to a um, to a park on Morningside. Morningside Drive, and um, as he picked me up and we were, you know, I was in his car, so as we were driving to the location, um, we just started talking, and we came to find out that we both grew up, like, in that that neighborhood, played in that same park, and and so the whole interview was was actually us reminiscing on uh, the greatness of the village of Harlem back in the, um, you know, the 50s and 60s and what our experiences were, uh, some of the same people we knew, some of the same experiences and schools that we attended. 
And um, so I say that to say Harlem was um, the place. Um, I would say really all of Manhattan Island was the place where uh, I was really learned about about the world, the different people in the world. Um, even though we we all care, we all share a, a, a similar oneness. There are differences, and Harlem really was the place where I got I received my um, education, um, my public education in the public schools. But even before I went into public schools, I had already began to learn very valuable life lessons from that from my mother, you know, from your, uh, my mother, Esselie Nesbitt, and my, 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 I mean, great parents, um, my mother, Esselie Nesbitt, and my father, Lloyd Thomas. And um, so it, um, it just wasn't, it, it also wasn't surprising to me that my journey took me um, to a place where I crossed path, I crossed paths with many great um, elders in in the Harlem community, and um, and then eventually uh, coming to New York City would say be uh, in the 80s, like I, I think it was like around 1983. Sabi and I began to um, come to Harlem on a on a monthly basis. Uh, me returning to Harlem from um, St. Croix, where I where I had moved to with with my family, and then Savy returning to Harlem <clears throat> because he had had an uncle that had moved there, I believe, in the forties. So he was in search of his family, and I was in search of returning back to my family to, to introduce him to this uh, uh, wonderful man that I had met in my parents. Uh, home native land of St. Croix Virgin Islands <clears throat> and uh, actually to bring back you know I brought him back to the Harlem community and to my, my mother's home and then eventually to a very very dear friend of mine by the name of Menelik um, and and then of course to my sister and and, and uh, reason being that when I was on St. Croix, you know, I was introduced to him by a, by a young lady by the name of Naima, who uh, he at that time was her herbalist. So I met him through someone who was actually a very satisfied client, and then I went to uh, meet him and then eventually became a client, and I was also a very satisfied client. So I just was eager to uh, share his knowledge with my, my family and, and some of my dear uh, loving friends in Harlem. And as a result of that, uh, what was the genesis of all of that introduction in, in New York City was um, several years later, the place that uh, uh, became to uh, be known as the uh, Ogun Herbal Research Institute at 616 Pacific Street. Uh, that was near Fit, that was near Fifth Avenue and Flatbush Avenue, where, where as Paul said, <clears throat> Blue, uh, 
Blue Pill said recent, this, uh, not too long ago in his um, narrative uh, where Jay-Z's Rockaware uh, establishment sits right in that actual commercial space that, as we speak. So, um, yeah, I thought it would be appropriate uh, for Red Pill and Blue Pill to do uh, a Know the Ledge program this evening to basically um, speak the name of many uh, great people in Harlem that, as Paul said, were responsible for, um, at a time when there was, uh, there was not uh, Zuckerberg's uh, Facebook platform, there was not um, YouTube, there was not Google, there was no Wikipedia, um, no MySpace, no Instagram, you know, and all these instant um, forms of, of information. What, but what there was, and it was very viable, uh, it was the heartbeat of the black community all over the United States and um, probably in other parts of, of the globe. But I, I can only speak for the United States because I basically uh, have never been overseas, especially when I was a child. But what I was very much conscious and aware of, and what also one of the one of the one of the the energy um, or information sources in the black community when I was a little girl that uh, nurtured a certain part of me was black radio and the black DJ. <laughs> Yeah, so so tonight I also want to thank uh, Black Radio because um, when Sabi arrived in New York City uh, in 1983, first, as I said, meeting my mom and um, meeting Menelik and um, some of my friends and then reconnecting with his Honduranian community in Brooklyn, um, he he was not a he was not world he was not a world renowned herbalist. I mean he was I mean no one knew him. They didn't know him. I mean they basically people knew me as the person I was before I left. But they didn't they did they didn't know some of the things that I had gained and some of the things that I had accomplished with him. And at that time he was uh, in a um, he was in a marriage with uh, uh, sister. Her name is Alethea Adams, also known as uh, Ma'a. And, um, but my friend Menelik uh, had the experience of having um, the herbal tonics because he was, he, was, he, was, he was scheduling himself for a liver operation. And just from one meeting of Sabi and seeing me after, I think about after a three-year absence, he, he took the tonic, and when we returned a month later, he was uh, totally like um, in a in a uh, in a healing in a healing transition where he 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 was so thankful and he I mean he just couldn't believe 
that uh, he was about to get this major operation and then it, you know, he didn't need to do it. So felt like he needed to do something so that uh, more of the Harlem community could could know about this. So uh, Menelik had a had a, a he had a background where he was in the Nation of Islam. So he had a network of 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 people that um, he had grown to know once he was he was in that in that um, in that uh, community. So one person in particular that he knew that would be very viable in getting the message to as many of our people as possible was a Muslim is a Muslim brother by the name of, of Brother Leroy Baylor. And um Leroy Baylor is a is a radio personality, he's a radio host, commentator, he's a uh what would be a I guess a radio journalist commentator and um he was operating for many years at WHCR, which is a community college radio up at City College in Harlem. So uh, he was one of the first radio personalities to give Sabi uh, an interview over the radio waves of New York City. And then um, uh, another one of the radio personalities that um, we we went to the, we went to went to WWRL, and we were on um, Brother Bob Law's Law's program many times, and we also was on um, Brother Ruddy Duckett's uh, program on WWRL. I believe it was uh, uh, Sunrise. Um, um, it, that that might be the name of it, but we were we were on his show several times. So um, and these are these were major black radio uh, stations. Uh, we were he we also were invited to uh, be interviewed on WLIB at the time, and um, the radio host commentator for that. Program for the programs we were on when we were on WLIB was a brother Mark Wiley, and I do I do think um, that on an occasion we uh, we were also we were also interviewed interviewed by by um, Gary Bird of WBLS and WLIB. Um, there was some mention. Um, but I wasn't present with Sabi when this happened, but I, I, I'm almost sure I heard him say that, um, on WBAI in the, in the, in the, um, it would be in the, it would have been in the eighties. He was, uh, he mentioned something about Gary Null. Now that's not anything that I ever was able to confirm, but Sabi, Sabi was always, uh, He's a great. He was a great storyteller, so he was constantly telling stories about his life and about the life of other people. So you know that's that's something you know that could be checked to be you know to verify whether it's correct or not. Um, and um, he was he was later on WBAI. Um, I'm not able to quite remember the radio host that did the interviewing, but he you know we were on that. We were on that station. Um, it might have been Marjorie Moore at the time. It was 
it was a sister who uh, did the early morning six o'clock uh, programming on WBAI, and um, she was Marjorie Moore. So I just want to, I just want to, I mean, the the older generation of 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 New York City um, totally overstands the experience of. Um, the black radio being sort of the bloodline and the grapevine of the black community as far as information and insight and direction and, narr- and, and, and navigating us, you know, to uh, a higher level of life and, and consciousness. Um, the younger generation, um, because some of the, some of the, some of the audiences know the ledge, uh, some of them, were not even born in 1985. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, I think it's still important to, I think it's important to have this kind of narrative because they need, they need to know, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just sort of like a, um, a, a continuity of, of how, how, where, like how where you are, how, how blog talk today exists but blog talk radio internet radio is a is a is a continuum of 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 a radio uh, frequency uh of communication that existed before the internet so i i feel like it's really relevant to take the time to mention all these great radio journalists commentators and um to really uh they should they really do deserve their place in this historical narrative of uh, who um, I am, who uh, Savi is, who Ma'a was in the whole scheme of establishing um, an a, uh, African um, Herbal Research Institute that, that, that was de- dedicated to Restoring an ancient, um, traditional, or yeah, restoring ancient and traditional healing practices of African and Aboriginal Indigenous people um, to the to the forefront of the world. Yeah. So, um, hello, are you there? Yes, you too. Yeah, we're here. I definitely yeah. want you to. Yes, um, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. I wanted you to share with people the story of the inception of what you have referred to as the Ugun Herbal Research Institute, which they officially may have come to know as the Herbal, the Usha Herbal Research Institute, which turned at a later date into as well the Usha Herbal Healing Village. So yes. can you walk us through that process? You know, um, if somebody is listening and they just heard me throw those things out, you know, uh, give some background to what I'm talking about. Okay. Just assume that someone's yes. listening and don't know what the hell's going on. I'm going to first start by saying that um, I had a I had a vision um, based on my love in my experience with my uh with the village of, of Harlem, which as I stated before, was my birthplace and where I basically was raised and got 
the love and the nurturing that all, basically all the children of the community got. Because when, when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s in Harlem, um, the way in which Harlem was structured, it was a community. And all the adults in the community raised you. Uh, you, you were not just raised by your biological mother or your biological father, and um, whether they were together as a married unit or whether you had a mom who was not, at the time, married to your biological father, uh, it didn't matter because uh, everyone was your guardian. So that's that was my, my that was my everyday experience, and even when you were in school, your teacher was not only teaching you the basic skills, you know, the rudimentaries of writing and reading and arithmetic, but she was an extension of your mother and your father and your grandmother and your aunt and your uncle, you know. So, um, and 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 we really we really had a very happy, uh, adventurous, safe, nurturing, protective um, experience as children, uh, you know, for the most part. And, you know, like, for instance, if you went over to somebody's house and the mother had cooked food, uh, everybody was going to be eating because that's, that's just what happened. Everybody got offered food, and, and, it, and it was and it was and it was safe uh, for you to, to you accept for you to accept it and to sit and dine you know with that family because that would happen vice versa if the person had come to your house. I mean, it was just a it just was a trust a, a trustworthiness in in everybody's heart and spirit in one another, and it was a love, you see. And so, um, unfortunately. I watched that way of people being drastically changed in the late 60s when something um, called heroin uh, was brought into the community and started to be utilized by certain people. And the change in the person, in the individual's behavior started to cause uh, real uh, heartbreak and suffering and shock, death and destruction uh, to the to the to the individual um, to the family and then at large the community and then uh, lastly the actual property uh, the brick and mortar property of Harlem and so um when I started to see this destruction happen, um, I, I would always ask myself, why did some of my friends in the community, why were they, why were they vulnerable uh, to the use of the drug? And, and I was not. And, and, and some of, there, were, there were other people who were not. And so came to me in that meditation and in my, my awareness and my consciousness of asking that question over and over in my quiet time was that um, e- 
eventually what I realized it was, was I was walking with the protection. And where I got the protection from were the adults that raised me. And then um, most most importantly and, and foremost, the person who really cloaked me with protection was my father. Because what my father would do is he would really talk to me and my older sister, like real talk. I mean, really real talk <laughs> about the world and what was going on in the streets and what what he was going to tolerate from two of his daughters and what he would not tolerate from us. Clear. He took his time. He took a long, lengthy uh, uh, evening, and he gave us the whole narrative about what heroin was, uh, who was producing it, how it was getting in this community, what the purpose of it in the what what the purpose of it being in the community was was, and so by the time we heard that. I mean, we it was like we it was like we had had a, an intensive, you know, that that one evening, and and it was nothing about it was wasn't anything about the 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 whole creation of heroin and and the creator of it that we didn't know about. So that protected us. So um, so eventually, after a couple of years of of me seeing the destruction, I said to myself, well. Um, Something has to happen in order to stop this this decay and this infection, this this contamination, because if it continues like this, there won't be anybody left. You see, so then um, I would go, I would I would from time to time go and talk to elder people um, in the community, and then I, you know, I would walk away and I would say, now that 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 talk that we that I just had with that elder. Say if everybody my age and um, well everybody who was who was who was vulnerable to the to the use of of the drugs if they could have heard that what that elder shared nobody would would use heroin so I said wow that's 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 the that's the key that's that's the that's the cure right there it's just that we have to have more of our elders that know this information, being able to disseminate the information to the community. So then I um I need a we need a space, you know, we need a space where everybody could come or we need the information that the elders are speaking. We need this information to be in a book. You know, we just need it to be uh disseminated in a way where everybody and anybody could could hear it. And then the same way, because I, I was thinking very, you know, simply, I guess, maybe even naively and childlike that the information protected me. So the information would be able to have that same effect on everyone else. So um, so then I was I was walking in my my early, my uh, my late teenage years, my early 20s, with the intention um creating that kind of space. And um I had met a group of people in New York, several groups of people in New York, but they didn't they didn't share my same um my same like insight, my same um intention. 
Um, but it wasn't until I moved to St. Croix that uh, I met Sabi one night and um, went to his house, and he was he was talking when I arrived with my girlfriend, and he started talking this narrative that that sound very sim- similar to what I had been um, feeling needed to to exist, and that was this space where we could come and we could gather. And we could we could be we could learn information that would uh, sustain us, give us tools, give us give us the resources of some of our ancient ways that had been preserved and had also first of all been utilized by our ancestors and preserved, but many of us had um, we, we weren't using the information or the tools or resources anymore. Um, but he was talking about restoring, uh, like creating a space and then having our people come where we could, you know, um, teach these ancient healing practices uh, to our people again. And then um, he, but he, but he was saying, but what he said was uh, the major or the fundamental reason why uh, we were we were in this deteriorating state, physical, mental, spiritual state as a people, was was not so much the drug, the drug contamination or the drug epidemic in the black community, but he said that we're we're looking at heroin as just the one culprit, but the real drug is the food. That really uh, shocked me because um, I I was I was having I had had my own personal experience with my body reacting to some of the foods that I had been eating in my in my later years uh, or my earlier twenties, but I didn't think it was as serious as how he broke it down. You see. So he he broke it down where he was saying that stuff like white sugar and white flour and white rice were as addictive as heroin and that they were, in fact, the same poison um, and had the same deteriorating, eroding acid effect on the body cells as heroin did, but more slowly and more gradually and um and then he started explaining the diseases that were a result of us of the black community um adapting the diet within the last say 100 years because he said that's what diabetes is attributed to that's what anemia is attributed to uh, uh high blood pressure infertility uh all the uh immune diseases and then ultimately when we got our first uh, patient or client that was diagnosed with acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So um, the Usha Herbal or the Ogun Herbal Research Institute, which was later known as the Usha Herbal Research Institute, uh, was the genesis of um, like-minded individuals that somehow all congregated on the island of St. Croix 
at a particular time in a particular space and um from that from that space uh decided that we would go back to the united to the United States to create this space to help our brothers and sisters in all the major cities of the United States and to create these spaces would be dispensaries where um uh in the um you know in cuz we the the uh Ogun Urban Research Institute which was which was later as I'm as I stated before the Usha Herbal Research Institute it was act, it was actually it is actually um a um let me, let me read uh, it was incorporated and um it had within that um incorporation papers it states the mission of the um of the of the actual institution and um uh I had mentioned to you Paul yesterday that uh there was a there was an African um quote that Sabie used to speak in the early days of the eighties, um healer in Africa. And the quote was Ogun Ewe Ewosan. And the translation of that, uh those words in English are mean healing comes from the herbs. So uh that quote and um, the meaning of that quote in English was uh, part of the Articles of Incorporation of the Herbal Research Institute. And um, it further said that African indigenous people have since ancient times observed, used, maintained, and maintained a relationship with the natural environment, the soil, its inhabitants and its vegetation and its vegetation that can assist in the restoration of health to the people of the world. It is the purpose of this corporation to promote the understanding, preparation, use, and standardization of African practices of health restoration and assistance so as to add this knowledge to the healing practices of the world. To this end, this knowledge to the healing practices oh yeah, okay. To this end, the Ogun Herbal Research Institute will um specifically do the following. And then it you know it goes on to say provide treatment and cure of specific diseases of the public through consultation with resident herbalists. Uh, Develop an organizational framework through which women can perform the healing arts as it is in keeping with our ancient heritage. And, you know, and it goes on, you know, with a few more um, amendments. But um, you know that was that was basically the meat and potatoes of how all you know uh, took took uh, birth and um, why in fact it wound up 
at uh, the location it did in um, in Brooklyn, New York. Now, why did it get changed from the Ogun Herbal Institute to the Usha Herbal Research Institute? Okay, so let let. Let me let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be as thorough as I can because I'm actually looking at you know information. So uh, originally, originally the first name was Zui Herbal, um, Zui Herbal Center. Um, then then Savi changed it to the Ogun Herbal Research Institute. Now the reason the reason why now the reason why he did that is because uh, first of all, like I said, he he had met a he had met an African herbalist over in Africa and um learned some of learned some of his um healing um and herbalist uh techniques and practices from this from this herbalist. But right, I, I'm I'm not remembering his name. And so um he was he was he was given this quote, you know, Ogun Ewe Iwosan and then um so then he, he changed it to that, especially learning that the word Ogun is uh is a Yoruba word and it and it is and it represents the deity of iron. So once once he did the research and he real and he he um he shared with the people that uh the major uh deficiency that um People of the African diaspora were suffering uh, throughout the uh, the world was uh, iron deficiency, the seat of all of our uh, deficiencies and the body's weakness, and it's and the body's dead inability for all the systems to work efficiently and efficiently. So he thought it appropriate that the institute be named after this of a deity of iron so that so that the concentration of um correcting that iron deficiency would be uh centered around one of the tonics that was created um or one of the classic iconic tonics that our ancestors um had uh prepared or formulated and prepared that was a part of our daily life and that was the classic blood tonic. Because uh, as the elders would always say, your your flesh is your blood, and your blood is your blood is your flesh. So they understood the clean and keeping the blood nourished, because the blood is the vehicle of which uh, all all your nutrients or nutrient elements are taken to all the trillions of cells of your body, and it's also the conveyor belt of which you know all the um, all the uh, the metabolic uh, waste is taken away. So, um, but what would happen is we would once we once we opened up our our offices and because we had we had the original first office in the United States was in Brooklyn, New York. Then we had one in Chicago. We had an office in um, Washington D.C. We had one, of course, in um, in the in the islands. Uh, a dollar of St. Croix, and then we eventually moved to, to Puerto Rico. We 
one opened up in, in California. What was happening is when we had when we had when we would when we our clients started reacting to the to the word Ogun, um, because of course it wasn't it wasn't an English word. So every time, say one of our Christian or Muslim sisters and brothers inquired about well, why are you using the word Ogun and, and you know, what does it mean? Say you would go into the whole narrative of the elder African in Africa that he met, herbalist African that he met, and um, and so eventually what he just said because I don't know people just people just seem to be uncomfortable with the fact that it was a Yoruba word, and so all that kind of you know um, sort of it was just an uncomfortable had. So then he just said, look, one day he said, we're going to do away with all of this because this this, this is a distraction. And so we're going to just name the institute after uh, my daughter, Musha. And so then that's what we did. And afterward, everything just pretty much uh, fell into place. Yeah, because you know, once once they once the name got changed to Usha, and people said, "Oh, well, why is the institute named Usha? What does Usha mean?" And he said, "Oh, that's my youngest daughter." Then no more was said. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, your, your phone so... is wavering in and out just a little bit. Yeah, they would they would be so the response would be yeah. the response would be just the opposite of what it was before. It was like. Oh, that's so nice. You named the institute after your youngest daughter. Oh, that's so nice. So, I mean, you know, there goes the change. Right. Yeah, and it worked. Because, you know, what was interesting is that healing, uh, the body sometimes was healing faster than the person's actual spirit. <laughs> Or 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 their uh, the actual um, what would I say I would say their their thought pattern the body was healing mm-hmm. faster than the thought pattern uh, you know uh, you know healing is an amazing thing um, in terms of how it actually happens you know it's it's not there there are occasions when somebody's going is on their healing journey the process is happening the metamorphosis transformation is happening and and the physical body, the spiritual body and you know ethereal body, all the bodies of the person are all healing simultaneously at the same time. I mean that happens, but that's not generally the norm. But right. you know, people people this some some people are having this experience and even though the herbs, the virtue herbs were were were, were being um, powerful. They were being all powerful, all miraculous, and and bringing people back to life and restoring life and vitality and and happiness and well being to people. They were still uncomfortable about a year of a word. Okay. Mm. They really were. They really were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well. You know, back 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 in the seven back in the back in the eighties. They were. I, I don't know about now, but back in the 80s, 
they were very they were very smooth about it. They were very smooth about it. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. But um incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite yeah, quite quite incredible. So nonetheless, so um the the spot was secured on September twenty second. Um, nineteen eighty three, right? Eighty five. Eighty five. Okay. So yeah. So the grand, the grand opening was Sunday, September twenty second at nineteen eighty five, and um, it was uh, yeah, you know, we had pre, I create, Sabi and I sat down and we created a flyer. So the flyer, the flyer read, the Ogun Urban Research Institute cordially invites you. The grand opening. Dr. Sabi, world renowned healer, herbalist, biochemist, and director of the Ogun Urban Research Institute, will present for the first time in the Western world. And so this was uh, this was the the, uh, the the topic. We were having a series of lectures, and they were called the Awakening. And then um, is it huh, the, uh, is it any reason that your phone is going from? One side to the other, like one portion I can hear, it and the other one gets strained out. So well, I don't about, know. How, how about now? Much better. Is it better? Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. So the topic, the topic he talked about that evening was the unlocking, unlocking the mystery of diabetes and impotency, their yes. detriment and biological cures. So that's. Uh, what he spoke about, and he also the same night he he um he also touched on removal of the veil of mysticism in the healthcare practices. So that was on Sunday, September twenty second, from four to eight p.m. at six one six Pacific Street near Fifth and Flatbush. We had live music. We had the fig tree herbal products uh, because at at that time um, the the actual brand for the uh, herbal product line was the fig tree, and um, right. we had ogun, we had ogun gourmet natural vegetarian um, food available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that. So that uh, was the opening. Mhm. That was the opening, and the donation was ten dollars. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, and that was uh, that was Sunday, September twenty second. So in in two days, that would be thirty one years ago. Oh. Um. Again, you know, I just you know like to thank uh, you know, really thank um, as I said black the black radio uh personalities and um all our first clients because uh back then what also worked to get us to become a household name was word of mouth i mean you, right. you know you just you can't i mean you know that word of mouth is tried and true <laughs> i mean it's it's uh it's um it's aged uh-huh the best form of promotion. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, and and so the word of mouth works for us better than almost anything else because people were satisfied. 
you see, people were satisfied. They, they, their relatives, their coworkers, you know, because the majority of our clientele, they worked. They had, they were city workers, um, and um, we got a lot of city workers. You know, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the MTA uh, teachers. You know, you know, all kind of people within the um, administrative. You know, uh, sales. I mean, we just. Everybody, we had judges coming. Um, we had, we we even had um, FDA agents. Uh, uh, we had, F, you know, we had we had we had actual undercover agents coming to us, <laughs> posing posing as posing as regular people. You know, when, right. with with some yeah, with some kind of with some kind of you know like. Diagnosed condition, and then Mom, and then they would yes. Can, I'm sorry for the noise. I'm in, I'm out in the hall of I'm, I'm I had to stay on the grid so just to resonate. Can you please tell them about the question that was asked on the application about if the if if everyone you know what I mean so the family could know how you were protecting yourselves you know against the quote unquote undercover agents that were coming to get treatment. Oh, the question is, are you a cop? Yes. This is something well, that yeah. I've never seen before after that in any organization that I was amongst. They never had that on their applications to ask blatantly the uh, the people who were coming in to receive any kind of information, herbs, treatment, consultations, yes. or anything of that nature. That was the only place that I recall seeing that at the Ushe Yeah, Institute. yeah. Well, well. See, um, I'm going to tell you uh, one thing. One thing about about Brother Sabi is that uh, you know, Sabi, Sabi, uh, he just he he had this. Uh, he had this insight about 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 people like he could he could he could he could hold he could do a a consultation and he could be talking to the person for 2 3 hours and then the person would leave and he would say that person is going to do it and then he would speak to someone else and then he would say that person is not going to do it. They're not, they're not, they, they don't want to heal. The, the, uh, the herbalist, the elder herbalist in Africa, another thing he told Sabi is he said, all diseases are incurable, but they just be prepared to know that they are incurable people. So he, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I know the first I know the first time he he told me that when I was because I traveled with him for almost a year doing my herbal apprenticeship with him um, that he had launched in um, in Saint Croix at um, at his clinic at four twenty nine King Street in Fredericksted and you know so I was one of the I was one of the ten women and. At some point, I was, I was, I was, um, he had chose me to start doing, um, like field trips with him, traveling to the neighboring islands of St. 
St. Tom, um, Thomas, uh, St. Martin, Curacao, and Aruba. We would, we would we would go to these islands like for three or four days and do um, consultations. And, you know, so, um, uh, you know, I, it just was amazing to me how he could just, he just could read people. He could, he could read them. He could see, he could see them. He, I mean, and then he used to always, so the first thing we would do, he would say, the first two things you do is you ask the name and you ask the birth date. That's the first two things you do because the birth date is going to tell you about 50% of who the person is. So well, why is that? He was a cosmo physician. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he would talk about how um, the birth date is going to tell you what element the person, you know, is really representing, you know, the body, the spirit mm. body is representing. You know, either fire, water, earth, or air, and 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 elements don't change too much as far as their character and their tendencies. And I was like, really? Because I mean, I didn't know about that. And um, I, right. I I I I see that kind of knowledge and understanding comes with years of experience where you actually witness it and start knowing it for yourself based on your experience with 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 people. Mm-hmm. You don't learn that from a book. You learn that from individuals showing you that it's so. Right. You see? Yeah. <laughs> so so um yeah, he you know I was talking to someone today, and I said, um, I'm, "I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss him for many reasons, but one of the one of the things I'm gonna really miss him for are the are the are the new stories that I know that you know he would because you know because he the information would come to him, um, you know, just like so. I mean." You just can't even imagine how much information in the course of a day um, came to Sadie. Because he, he just knew people from all walks of life that were constantly talking to him and telling him stuff. And um, the one thing I was explaining to someone today is that he had a, he had a photographic memory and encyclopedic memory. He could, he could mm-hmm. read something. And he could remember the entire page verbatim, right. or he could be told he could be told something, and he could retain the narrative verbatim. So yeah. he was actually the first person where I even learned the term photographic encyclopedic memory, because. He demonstrated it all the time. And um, sometimes I would hear him talking, and I thought it was his narrative until I, until I read a book one time, and the entire page out of the book was something that he, he, used, he used to be saying all the time. And it dawned on me. I said, oh, my goodness. He, he was talking that thing like it was his own. This is right out of this book. 
<laughs> but he but he could do that, you know. He he could talk that thing like that thing was his, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, quite amazing, and um, that's what I want to really miss most of all. You know, uh, just all the information. And um, when I say when I say that he knew people of all walks of life, and people, you know, he would just be constantly talking to different people all day long, learning all kinds of information. Um, and sometimes Sabi's information, and I, I witnessed this, the information that he was talking in 1970, uh, that information really became popular where the, where the masses of people was talking it, say, uh, 20 years after he was talking it. So they, I witnessed that myself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because because he's a, he was he's one of those he was one of those individuals that was living his life as an innovator, and a, and 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 you know, and he had genius. So much 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 about how the information that geniuses and these innovators learn and and they articulate uh, verbally or through action, um, the 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 uh, the masses wind up getting it at least about 20 30 years after afterwards yes. it reaches the it reaches the full masses yeah Absolutely. so i watch i watch that i watch that manifest cuz i cuz i i hear i hear dialogue i hear terms um uh i hear nomenclature spoken today that uh in in 1981, when I met him, he was the only one speaking like that, mm-hmm. using using that narrative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's just, it's been it's been an amazing journey. But what this, uh, what I want to say to, uh, what I want to say to, I want to say this to the young people. I want to say that um, I know many of them out there have have dreams. They have these desires. They have passions about about a thing, or maybe a couple of things that they that they feel in their heart and their soul and their spirit that they're here to do. And and I encourage you. I inspire you to do all of them. Do them. Um, Indeed. Don't not don't not do them. And, and that's advice because now I'm that elder that I used to talk to in Harlem in the various cities where I had opportunity to travel and meet wonderful elders. Now I'm I'm that elder because I'm in my 60s now, so I'm that elder now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um. So do we have anybody that may want to call in and ask some questions? Yes, if there's anyone listening, family on the line, if anyone is listening and you want to ask a question, if you have a question, comment, or concern at this particular time, please warn on your phone. Your hand will go up and we'll open up your line, all right? right. So now is the time, family, if you have any commentary, press one on your phone. Mm -hmm. All right. Brother Red, you there? 
also they were already learned in the in the um in the apprenticeship of 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 herbalism so those are the two women that were doing the herbal preparations and then there was another gentleman by the name of Olu who also did preparations and another brother named Larry uh Larry didn't really do the herbal preparations so um uh i i guess so what it was that sort of answers the question. Ten women showed up, and out of the ten, I was one of them. So fast forward uh, 30-something years later, um, I could say that uh, one of the reasons why I went to Saint, I went back to St. Croix in the first place to my mom and dad's birth land is because of a story my mother told me with regard to my grandmother her mother and um, her mother's mother, and that 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 was because uh, I I had had a daughter in my early teens, um, and so I became a mother at 15 years old. So I started I started um, having experiences with my daughter where uh, she just would be full of all of this mucus. She was probably like one. She just would be full of all of this mucus. She would keep ear infections because I had I had stopped breastfeeding her, and um, out of the recommendation of uh, like the um, like when I would take her for her uh, for her checkups with her pediatrician, they were saying, "Oh, she's too big to be breastfed." Uh, you know, you could you could just sort of ease off of that. You know, because at that time they were promoting formulas, right? So it's like, oh, you've done enough breastfeeding for her now. She's like eight months old. You know, you could you could transition her into some um, Similac, some whatever it was. So I started giving her that, and of course, what started happening was she started getting all of this mucus, and she started uh, ear getting ear infections. So I would take her to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician would give her this, give me these syrupy medicines, and I'd give her that, and then it would sort of it would abate it. And then I give her more of the formula, and then it would come back, you know. And I just, I, it just started to become like a cycle of insanity to me, uh, just winding up in the emergency room with her getting the same thing and getting the same um, results and the same, uh, the same symptoms would just reoccur. So one day I was visiting my mother, and I told her what what was happening, and I said, you know. Uh, something about this isn't right. You know, I feel like I'm just running, I'm chasing my tail. Uh, I'm not getting results. Um, so I says, wow, when your mom, when you were a little girl, did your mother have this kind of situation with you and your sister and your brother? And my mother was a typical Caribbean woman. She had the accent and everything, you know. And so she said, she said, oh, no, um, me and my brothers and sister, we were never sick a day in our life. Uh, we we never we never even go to the hospital because um, in the when she was born in the 30s they there was no hospital for them um, right. they were born at home they were born at home with midwives um, uh, any kind of any kind of temporary illness or sickness that came up uh, she said her mother was an herbalist and she said mm-hmm. that uh, the mother would line them up in the morning and give them you know, they didn't call them herbalists. They call them bush women. Mm-hmm. They would line them up and give them bush tea, you know. Right. So she said some of them taste good, some of them are bitter, some of them are sweet. But 
every day, you know, you got the bush and they were never sick. They were never vaccinated. They never had a cold. They never had fever. And I was like, what? I was like, well, what's the, what's the name of the herbs? So she said, oh, when you come to America, you don't think about bush tea. You go, you go, you do like Americans and you go to the, you go to the doctor and you go to the pharmacy. You go, no, the, they, they call them drugstores then. You go mm-hmm. to the drugstore. So I said, I was like, are you serious? You mean to tell me you, you, you didn't even bring those those herbs you what you don't know how you don't don't you know how to make them she was like oh I forget all about that when I come to America so then I so then so I was just, you know so I just kind of went on a rampage I just kind of told her off so then she said you know well I don't know what you're getting all crazy for if you want to know what those bush tea uh what they are she said they're still there growing in the rainforest you you could go. They're still there, so that's what I did. <laughs> so I so I first my first trip was there was when I was sixteen. I took her and my daughter, and we went to visit my aunt. And I had a I had a wonderful experience. You know, um, I ate some of I ate some of the first uh, for the first time. I ate some and I, I ate some of the indigenous foods that later on, Savi would speak about. Um, being the foods that were more consistent with my genetic makeup. And, you know, that was like soursop, uh, papaya, mm-hmm. all the different variety of mangoes that you never see in the United States, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so um, I came back to the United States and then at some point I just decided that I wanted to go back to the islands to live. And for, I wanted my children to have that experience and I, I just wanted to live more consistent with who I was genetically as a person. And when I was in when I was in the Caribbean, when I was in that environment, I was more enlivened. I felt more alive. So um, that's really what did it. That's really what brought me there. So um, I just at that opportunity of going to the islands, meeting, you know, meeting Sabi, uh, just, uh, it just re it just helped me to follow in the legacy of my grandmother and my great grandmother. Cause you know, if my grandmother was an herbalist, you know, her mother was one and her mother's yeah. mother was one. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. the way, it, the way it works is the way it still works with a lot of Aboriginal indigenous people. These things are passed down through oral tradition. They're, they're passed down by you being an apprentice under the master herbalist healer, bush woman, shaman. They have all these different names, but that's how you learn. You, you, they, they take you in as a young person and, and you learn hands on. So I'm, you know, I'm honored to be, um, carrying on the the spiritual uh knowledgeable continuum of my of my mothers and my fathers of past who who lived this way and used this knowledge and used these tools in order to live the the fullness of their life you know embodied um in the their spirit embodied temporarily in the bodies that 
they came, you know, to this earth to be who it was they were they were for that time that they were here. So, um the so in essence it's kind of, it came like full circle mm-hmm. because having those nurturers that village um community growing up and mm-hmm. having those talks with your dad and um even having that conversation with your mom mm-hmm. uh put you on that whole path of who you are now and right. you know being a part of this phenomena or, you know, his historic um historic Well, you know what? Event. You're right. You're right about see that's why I love question and answer. You know, I, I like to hear the people talk more than I like my to hear myself talk. Um it did come it did come full circle in that in that in that meditation and in that in that intent that I that my heart, spirit and soul put forth like when I saw the destruction of of the village of the individual of the family, it has come full circle because uh I have currently thirteen grandchildren, and um I would be a great grandmother I would be a great yeah i would be, I'm a grandmother, but I would be a great grandmother but that that child didn't didn't make it um full term here um and um I can I can say that uh what what the way in which I saw the children suffer when cuz see first it was heroin um and then of course uh when heroin hit cocaine was simultaneously being used also when heroin was being used then there was something called angel dust then there was that was followed by crack. So it was like almost every I don't know if it was a five year cycle or a ten year cycle, it was a new synthetic drug that was devastating the individuals who partake partaked in them. Um the most devastation I saw as far as the neglect of the children was when crack hit. the children really suffered. And um, so I could say that um, I've lived to see uh, the rate of, the rate of, the rate of uh, destruction that the chemical fault warfare was doing in reference to those, to those synthetic drugs that uh, are put on the, on the streets of the community for people to, to sell and, for users to use um and that's not that's not I'm not talking like an ignorance um as though there are no new new drugs out there because I know there are new ones that um I don't even know the names of them but I know they're out there and they exist and they're just as deadly and as destructive as the ones that I I grew up and saw um people using but I can I can say that um there has there has been um there has been um a, a shift where uh there are there are a great vast majority of people who are who are not on drugs who the children are not on drugs um or not suffering because the parents are on drugs or the the um the guardians uh in the community are not on drugs 
Um, so, um, you know, I'm not feeling I'm not feeling the despair, and I'm not feeling as distraught as I did um, back back in the in the late '60s and '70s. Okay. So one last sure question. If I answered your question. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so the the work that you've been doing um, has. Do you think it contributed to kind of bringing back that whole sense of family and, and community? Oh yeah! Oh and yeah! Village? Oh no! Oh no! The 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 work, the collective work that um that I did, that Savy did, that my aunt did, and and I still and that up up until recently, up until Savy recently made his transition, was doing. And my eyes doing, and um, many of the other former wives are doing, and sisters that um, did also uh, their apprenticeship with him, um, who were non-wives but uh, had the opportunity to learn from him, and they are doing. Um, there are also a lot of males that came into um, the opportunity to learn from Sabi, and they are doing work. I mean. It's been it's like it's like um the tentacles um like he like he's the main tree and there are all of these branches that have branched off over the last forty something years, um where they're 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 individuals un unbeknownst to me that are all out there doing the work. And it has impacted. It has made a change for the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you could just you could just look on you could just look on YouTube, and you could just see. You know, every time I turn around, there's a new vegan chef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, are, are which, they doing which, it because it's like a fad, or because? They well, know I just, it's totally well, affecting your body for the I better. Feel, I feel I feel people are doing it because there's a consciousness they have. I think you know people are doing it by choice. They're doing it by choice because there's a consciousness and and the experience of 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 acquiring and practicing a a vegan diet and that and that's a diet where where the ingredients of the diet are you know the the wild indigenous foods that Sabi you know Sabi always spoke about and he and he he learned knowledge of I mean when you incorporate those foods in your daily your daily menu you you're you're going to your body is going to operate um at his at at his at its optimal peak performance for you and and you and you you know you're gonna you're gonna live you're gonna live a certain kind of life life vitality and a and a life experience so i don't i don't think that um i don't i don't know i don't know so much if it's a fad as it is people just people like the reward of what they get from doing it and of course you know, um, it, it it can afford people to be entrepreneurs and be their own boss and own their own business. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yes, thank you, Carla. Thank you. For your wonderful questions. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Indeed. Again, Sam Mark, yeah. this yeah. is Mark. the uh, question and answer segment. Hold yeah. on. Can I add on? Mm-hmm. Yes. I just wanted to um, share with the family, uh, based off of that question that was asked and mm-hmm. a plethora of questions that was asked to me personally, you know, I want to just add in and to interject a little bit of wisdom where we have to separate <clears throat> the myth from the mission. Yeah. And we can't equate healthy living and eating healthy foods and waking up to, you know, nourishing your body to just one person or no. a man. No, and no, no. I think that, no, no, I know that. I'm, I'm just saying to certain people, I'm speaking to um, people who may have misinterpreted the um, the impact of what has been done over the decades, and I'm glad uh-huh. that you're coming forth and clarifying it, letting it know, letting it be known that this is a mission. Yeah. And this yeah. mission involved multiple people, yeah. and the impact of multiple people on a mission. And there were many missions, family, that are listening to this. There are many missions that have took place. And this is one of the, you know, this is one of the great, like, for the family that are familiar with missionaries and the missions that took place from the Catholic Church and, you know, people's lands of the Caribbean and other places, Mm -hmm. they had a mission. Dr. Sebi, Mama Pell, Ma'a, and Sultan, and other people who were members, Mm -hmm. Menelik, Leroy Mm -hmm. Bella, all of Mm -hmm. these participants are missionaries Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. upliftment and the health and wellness of our people, the tools that they use, that the missionaries may have used the Bible, the tools that these people use were sea moss, Maya. Mm -hmm. These are different things. Uh, Nervino, H1, T1. T1, as a child, as a baby, I knew what testosterone was based off the Mm -hmm. fact that they were selling T1, and we were taking Mm -hmm. T1 as children, as little Mm -hmm. boys making mm-hmm. sure that our hormonal, that we were hormonal, that we had a balance mm-hmm. in our hormones, something mm-hmm. that we can see without being judgmental, but only taking the stance of, you know, individuals that are familiar with science, yes. observation, mm-hmm. a scientific observation. We see mm-hmm. people with hormonal imbalances and what that yeah. creates and what that, yeah. what that plays out as without yeah. getting emotional about it. So mm-hmm. all we're saying is salute. I'm, I wanted to say that I have to salute, I have to pay homage, and I have to honor, and I also have to remind the family that the, the missionaries and the team players and those mm-hmm. who are responsible, not single-handedly, in all, mm-hmm. legend, in all stories, you could either choose to do it single-handedly or you can identify a whole mission. And this mission, one, huh? A team. A team, exactly. Yeah. So, no championships are won in any of the sports that people are familiar with and they are in love with without a team. I don't care if it's a single boxer. Floyd Mayweather is Floyd Mayweather and the money team based on the team. team. He said the money team. It's a team family. It's not one person. 
The Michael no. Jordan, there's no Michael Jordan. He had a team with him. It's called the Chicago yeah. Bulls. As a result, yeah. he was the he was the captain of that team. Like you have in yeah. football, they elect quarterbacks, Kaepernick. Captains, but mm-hmm. they represent teams. One of the yeah. major team players with the major key is Mama Pill. It's Ma'a. So although mm-hmm. our beloved is not here with us, there are still mm-hmm. team players who are playing. Mm-hmm. They're still in the game. Mm-hmm. They are still yep. here. You understand yep. what I'm saying, fam? Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's excellent. That's, that, yeah. that, that, that was perfectly stated. Bars. Perfectly stated. Thank yes. you for that. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yes. Let's go to Indeed. the next yeah. question. So, so we have another question? Yes, we do. We have a caller from the 917863. Mm-hmm. Caller from the 917. Welcome to KTL. Peace. Peace, peace. Peace, Mama Pill, Red yes. Pill, Blue peace. Pill. Greetings. Peace. peace. Wow, this is um, this is to Ere. Hey, Red Pill, I just saw you the other day on 1 2 5th. How are you? Um, Hello, peace. Yes. Yes. First of all, I have to say, Mama Pill, thank you so much um, for the wisdom that you have um, imparted on your sons. I actually went to school with them. I'm not going to get long-winded with that. Yeah. Please talk um, about it, please. Yeah. (laughs) No, real, uh, we we had a beautiful conversation. I need you as a witness. Mm -hmm. Don't feel compelled to, you know, to hide anything. Talk about what what was taking place in those days because we're talking about transformation. We're talking about healing. We're talking about, you know, the being living testaments of what it is that, you know, that, that Sabi and Mama Pill and my I stand for. Mm-hmm. So you saw us in a different era. You saw us in a Definitely. different age. I really you saw did. us in a different expression. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because um, I kind of vividly remember when I first saw um, the brothers on the train going to school. I'm taking it really far back when I first <laughs> saw them, seriously. And it was at that moment, and they didn't know who I was. You know, there was no, like, dialogue at that time, but there was, like, this magnetism that they had. And it wasn't just the style of gear that they had on and things like that. It was just the energy that they both emitted that I could see was different. And what was so ironic, I didn't realize that it was based off of something that my father was into. My father was into the conscious movement, in the mm-hmm. 80s, he was part of the Black United Front and was into poetry mm-hmm. and spoken words. So I kind of mm-hmm. was exposed to those things as well. But when I got to high school, you know, as we spoke about briefly the other day, um, even before high school, you see that there aren't many people like-minded like you, you know, mm-hmm. where you're giving herbs in the morning before you go to school and, you know, right. giving comfrey tea right. when you have cramps and things yep. of that nature. So yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> going to high school was like, okay, this is, a whole nother element, and mm-hmm. um, it wasn't cool to be conscious at that time. Even though we had the music yeah. to kind of reflect, yeah. like, the Tribe Called Quest but, and the De La yeah. Soul and things of that nature, yeah. there was another element that was coming in that was more rough, that was more street. So it was like, okay, you kind of gravitated towards that, you know. Um, but I kind of had a similar journey in my life, and what's so interesting, I'm going to fast track because we'll probably have to have another conversation at another time because yeah. there's so many things that I have come to realize within the past 
month or two, um, mm-hmm. I have family from St. Croix. Um, okay. So I've been feeling, I'm not, I haven't reached out to them in many moons, but I've been feeling compelled to reach out to St. Croix, okay? But um, the interesting thing about that is that I wanted to reach out in a way that was more from a health perspective. And looking online, I couldn't really find that information. So I was kind of like going around in a circle. But for some reason, St. Croix was just like calling me, calling me. And then when I heard Brother um, Sabi, Dr. Sabi pass, I was a little familiar with his work, I'm going to be honest, Um, just from, you know, getting mixed up and trying to be in the real world. You kind of forget, quote, unquote, the real world. You forget the basics, the foundations of herbs and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when he passed, when I heard that he passed, I kind of, started getting on YouTube and researching things and just trying to see. I didn't know much about Dr. Sabi. I'm going to be honest. This is the most information I've heard about him in my entire life, listening to this conversation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so there are things my spirit is compelling me to learn and understand, and it's brought me mm-hmm. to you, Mama Pill, Red Pill, Blue Pill. It's bringing me to you all. Um, we have a lot of similarities in terms of um, – consciousness, but I'm realizing that you have to be part of a community to keep that energy moving and evolving. Mm-hmm. I have two sons, so mm-hmm. there are things that I need them to understand. They're kind of getting out there in the world and moving away from herbs and eating things that they're, you know, we didn't raise them to eat, you know. Right. But mm-hmm. um, what I wanted to also mention or ask you, I should say, in St. Croix, is there still that element of people having that, you know, the, the the Bush culture and understanding their roots from that perspective? Because I don't see that outwardly. Mm-hmm. I see people more like, you know, trying to be mainstream with music and, oh, mm-hmm. we have McDonald's, we have this. But I'm not seeing, like, the herbal, the Bush people. Does that mm-hmm. still exist out well, in St. Croix? Yeah, it, it, is, it exists. Um but of course, you're going to be hearing more about, uh, like you said, people talking about, yeah, we we're we're a little bit more hip and modern. We have McDonald's and Burger King, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we you know, we're they're going to be celebrating how Americanized uh, most most of the island has become, or mm-hmm. portions of the island has become. Um, but there, but there are those um, people who are sort of still maintaining like um um a, maybe a, a you know like an older life older kind of lifestyle um like how people used to live basically you know like like in the village mm-hmm. there there's still there's still pockets of that um okay the two the two partners that I met Sabi with they 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 still live in the virgin islands uh okay. the brother Olu and Karen Hunt they're still there Wow, and they're part they're part of a community, so they've been there since 1981. They 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 didn't choose to leave when um, Sabi and my aunt Sabi uh, Sabi my aunt and I we we moved to Puerto Rico, and then from Puerto Rico we wound up coming back to the United States to establish you know what we established as far as the institute is concerned. The institutes are concerned, and then um, eventually the village got built in Honduras, and Sabi really went back there and was there maybe um, for the last 10, 
10 to 12 years, he was he was really there most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So um, in terms of now that he's transitioned and, like, with his products and things of that nature, I'm sure that, you know, that will still be um, given to the world or, you know, we have the opportunity to still have those um, products available. Do you offer, like, women's classes or things of that nature to help women, you know, still be in touch with healing themselves and maybe getting certified in some type of herbal um, nutrition classes and things of that nature? Yeah. Well, yeah, what I what I was, um, let me see, back in, back in 2000, um, uh, I, I left, um, I left, uh, the um, fig tree, and um, I went off on my own. Mm-hmm. So since 2000, I um, I established my my own company. So I have my my own herbal company by the name of Greenleaf Herbal Solutions, and I also have my my own product line. Okay. So I I yeah I am on I am online. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I do do I do travel with my sons, and um, we do we do lectures, we do workshops, and okay. um, but we we do we have not developed like an like a an, an apprenticeship program if that's what you're if that's what you ask. We don't we haven't we haven't developed something on that scale. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we do. But we do. We do lectures. We go. You know. We we travel, um, to cities, and we uh we do uh we do kick, we do the cooking demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do there. I do. I have done um, I have done um like retreat. You see where you where where we offer like a three four day stay. Where we'll where we'll do a food demonstration, we'll do basic tonic uh, uh, workshops. You know, we do things mm-hmm. on that on that scale. So yeah, if you're interested in that, what you can do is you can email me at um, my e- my my email address is greenleafherbs at gmail dot com. Okay. And um mm-hmm. and my and my phone number, my contact number is uh four two four two zero zero five four six nine. Um I'm on I'm on Facebook as Annette Thomas. Um and uh the uh the website is greenleaf hyphen herbs dot com. Okay. So you got yes, you got a whole lot of um contact information there. Absolutely. Stay in touch, keep you informed. Yes. Okay. All yes, right. But, yes. but um, thank you. But you know, but the thing the thing about um like teaching um like in a like an herbal apprenticeship to young you know, to a younger generation of women, it's mm-hmm. still something it's still something that um will happen. Um, however, uh, it's, 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 a, it's an easier thing to happen now. Uh, you don't necessarily need a brick and mortar because of technology, right? But it is, but it is 
nice to have the brick and the mortar uh, uh, space where you can, um, you know, like come together, you know, and learn face to face, hands on. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that so I have I have a I have a space um, here in Atlanta, Georgia, that I opened up in May of this year, May twenty third of this year, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called it's called Atlanta Hoodoo. <laughs> So, um, I'm yes, sorry. I, Can you say that again? I didn't hear you. It's, it's called Atlanta, Honduras. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a space where people can come and they can um they can you know I do consultation. Um, my product line is, is sold out of here, and mm-hmm. um, I do I do workshops. I work with other health practitioners practitioners in Atlanta, um, and you know, we just think uh, to uh, learn people tools to use that um, will enable people to uh, uh, get their health and their well-being with their well-being balanced back again. So, you know, I've had yoga. We do yoga classes here. Um, we also had a gentleman in, in Atlanta that. Uh, teaches a form of, of meditation called transcendent, transcendental meditation. Okay. And um and um uh Paul Paul Red Blue Pill and Red Pill, they come here from time to time. And um Paul Paul has been the uh son that has been doing the um teaching the physical uh importance, the exercise importance of, of maintaining our health and our well being. Yes. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he's that he's that one um that, that really is very masterful in that um discipline. And uh Red Pill is um he does he does presentation uh and disseminates the information and the wherewithal for people to become um entrepreneurial to um mm-hmm. get into business and um you know, the whole uh blueprint and, and how to uh with that is concerned. And then the younger the younger brother, uh he, he, uh his name is Kamani, but he's known as K T Arch degree. He yeah. uh more he's more following the footsteps of Savy because he's the um he's like uh he's like our uh he he does like the state of the art research, um and he's like on cutting edge research, you know, I mean, me. I mean, yes. they, they he would be, be the so doctor. Proud. Yeah. <laughs> He's a doctor scientist. Not that he would be proud. Maybe is proud because maybe actually raised him as a child. So, um, well, I mean, raised all of them, but uh, Kamani was born when I met Baby. Uh, I was about eight and a half months pregnant. So he was really born, you know, like right into the whole um, energy of that whole genesis. That 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 um your phone hello that time yeah you hear yeah. me yeah. yeah yes wow yeah so yeah so is you know we we as a family we have a whole lot to offer but um, I love it yeah but but it, you know I feel like mm-hmm. uh 
even though we have the state of the art um technology where we could actually you know you can you can you could be where you could be I could be here in Atlanta and you could be where you are in New York and we could still have an exchange you can you could you know I could still offer you a workshop an apprenticeship but um we need to I still feel it's an important it's important to have that space like that's why I'm here talking tonight in memory of uh uh, September 22nd would, would be the 31st anniversary of that that brick and mortar space that we had in in, in New York City um, mm-hmm. by the name of the Ogu Nervous Research Institute. Um, you know, because it, it's just saying that we there was a team of people who collectively had a vision and an intention and a passion and a love, and we made that happen. And there's no reason why you know it cannot happen again. Absolutely, I agree. I really yeah. feel that um, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to shift because I don't. I want other people to have a chance to speak mm-hmm. with you all. Um, but I realize the more advanced the society is getting with technology, the more my spirit is like, no, I want to disconnect. Mm-hmm. I want to. I need to connect with way. people exactly. Have conversations mm-hmm. and actually touch physically touch a human yeah. being. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my children, I, they're teenagers now. They're 17 and 14, and mm-hmm. they kind of they're growing up in that era where they're becoming more consumed and overwhelmed with technology. So I'm constantly that, you know, in their ear, like we have to connect, put the phone away, let's have a moment to meditate right. before we just jump into the day, right. and you know. Yeah. But it's so I'm so grateful for you all because now I can share this information with them. Check this out on YouTube. Send them little yeah. clips and things yeah. to just kind of you know start planting these yeah. seeds because I don't want to lose them, you know. Yeah. And just plant, um, plant, look, plant, plant the seeds. Plant like like um, uh, an important thing my father used to do. Now listen, my father. Now, could, you know, the same kind of the same kind of narrative you just spoke in reference to your your son, my mm-hmm. father and his friends were saying that about my generation. So my father, my father used to like 